It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of Philly is Flyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. Mark Giannone, Dan Silver with you as always with a very special guest today. But first, Dan, what's going on? How was your week? How you been? Uh, the week's been good, man. You know, it's like a short week with uh, Thanksgiving coming. So, uh, you know, it's good. Good weekend and uh, everything's, everything's good, man. You know, except for the play the Flyers. But we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, it was um, it was an all right weekend, I guess. I, I'm still, you know what? I'm not going to get into the Eagles or anything because nobody cares about that here. But let's just get right into the special guest because we've been trying very hard for the past like year and a half now to get this guy on, and um, finally he had enough free time to come on and discuss the Flyers. So I will let you take it from here since you know him much better than I do. Yeah, I mean, this is awesome. We've uh, been waiting to get him on the show, and uh, he reached out to me, like, January 2017 about wanting to start a new flyer site uh, to be a little bit different than some of the other blogs out there. And uh, I was like, you know, this guy seems pretty smart. I think he might might be onto something here. And uh, and that's how Philly's flyer is born, and, and he can talk a little bit about it. But without further ado, we've got uh, Anthony DeGrazio, who uh, is the founder of philliesflyer.com. And, man, we are very excited to have you on the show. Thank you, fellas. Uh, I know it took a little longer than uh, expected, but, you know, finally got out of the cave and we're here and uh, just ready to talk a little flyers. And what's all going down, what's all going down you know, 20 this season is not uh, – it's a little disappointing. But uh, we're here to talk about it, and we're going to get down to what we can and – Talk about the details, what's been going on with the team, what's been depressing, what's got fans talking, all that good stuff. Yeah, this um I use this podcast and the site Philly is Flyer as my way to vent because I don't have in my life many people that really care much about the Flyers, so this is my outlet to do it. We're glad we have you, but um before we get into the topics of the team, just kind of give everybody out there listening who doesn't know much about you much about what made you start philly as flyer the motivation and all that so what made you do it what was the process like and what do you think about it i guess this is what is it year one year two now uh as far into it yeah this is the uh second season well uh, a couple years back i would say uh you know i was just on twitter as a flyer, a fan, you know, uh, just following the games, kind of live tweeting. And, you know, I've, I've played hockey ever since I was three. I've played on elite teams. I've played Johnny Goudreau was a teammate of mine. I've played against them. Uh, I'm not here to tell you that I'm a professional hockey player and I know the ways of the game in that aspect, but I've have played at a high level and I just felt like blogs needed to reflect a non-biased, more, interpreted view of the game to the fan and i felt like i could do that with my knowledge and reaching out to people like dan silver kev all the all the guys and girls that are part of the team and uh, i wanted to bring it in a more i guess intimate way to the fan and a more direct kind of serious and 
non not non positive all the time, but realism. I, uh, realism is one of the biggest things that come with Philly as flyer. I think the fans need to hear how they're playing and how they need to fix all their problems or how to keep going with the positives. And I think Philly's Flyer is the, the perfect outlet to do that. And I'm happy to bring it to everybody. Awesome stuff. So kind of what we wanted to get into first, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording this. And it was a tweet that kind of was brought to our attention by Josh Bright of Philly's Flyer. And let me pull it up here. Because I, I think what's worth I think what's worth talking about with it is he kind of um, and it's from uh, on Twitter Travis Konechny not the actual Travis Konechny but uh it's at bmer forty seven and basically the overview of this thread of tweets he put out is uh, the blogs that cover the Flyers you know us Broad Street Hockey Sons of Penn the Daily Puck all that um you know kind of paint the Flyers in somewhat of a negative light and. To me, it's justified. You know, I've done it pretty much all season. I wrote about it. Um, a lot of people are not very high on the Flyers right now, and rightfully so. But more or less, and what I took out of what the tweet was, um, is our negativity as, you know, fans that write for these sites, podcast for these sites, and everything like that, when we paint the Flyers in a negative light, then the other fans that are on the outside reading our stuff, listening to our stuff, it makes them think more negatively about each and every Flyers game. Going into the game, they're already they already have a negative seed planted in their head, and that negative tree, if you will, grows as the game goes on, and they watch the games actually play out. Um, but I think, from my perspective anyway, I'm not going to come out on this podcast or on a website, and I'm not going to put put forth false hope i'm not gonna put forth you know fake positivity just for the sake of doing so how i feel about this team is not very good i don't think the flyers are moving in all that great of a direction right now i think they have a bright future but we've been saying that for a while now so i'm not gonna fake it just for the sake of building positivity if there isn't any there so i'll bring it to you guys and i'll go to you first and then dan um, what did you take from this tweet, and how do you th- do you think at all that the way that we as blogs and podcasts cover the Flyers, our outlook, do you think it affects the fans as much as uh, BMER forty seven seems to think so? Uh, yeah, that's a great. It's a great whole topic of conversation, and especially with this season because of the way things are going in such a disappointing type of manner. Um, as blogs, you know, we want to get the. The, the best information out there for the fan, uh, even if you know you don't have press credentials or whatever else. Uh, I really think is it's important to sit down and watch a game with an open mind. We don't want fans sitting down on the couch and automatically thinking, oh, like here goes a wasted 60 minutes of my life watching this horrible PK. But at the same time, after that game happens, they're going to be saying, wow, that PK wasn't so good, or our forecheck had a problem. So the Flyers are giving the re- the fans reasons to be this upset. Uh, I think fans are almost as more upset that management is allowing this to continue, as Dan will go over. Um, the penalty kill is historically bad. This isn't just this season. It's not just this season and last season or the year before. It goes before that. And uh, I'll let Dan cover that more. But, yeah, uh, I think blogs – 
need to just stick to the plan, stick to our plan, of course, just giving out the positive information, hopefully making it a level-headed type of opinion for the fan to watch before the game, and then they'll watch the product, and they're going to come up with their own assumptions at the end, and if they're not uh, satisfied with it, then they're going to vent that frustration for sure. Yeah, I mean, I... I definitely get sick of seeing almost everything tweeted about the Flyers being negative. And, you know, there's a lot of folks both with Philly is Flyer and outside of Philly is Flyer that I respect their opinions greatly on Twitter. And most of those folks have been kind of positive in the past, maybe the past few seasons and over the summer. And a lot of those folks are now really negative. And so it's almost like almost all of the uh, influencers, I'd say, on Twitter that, that cover the Flyers um, are kind of seeing things in a negative light. And I don't, like, I, that's not how I want it to be. Like, I, I want it to be a, a positive, uh, kind of like positive vibes around this team all the time. But unfortunately, you know, there's, there are some things to be positive about. Look, the the younger kids on the team are playing pretty well. Guys like Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom and Travis Sanheim, um, you know, Travis Konechny. Those guys are playing pretty well. And over and above that, I think that we're seeing them kind of take another step as leaders of this team, which is going to be very important moving forward. And I, I wrote an article my yearly kind of state of the union about the Flyers, I wrote um, right before the season started, and it was a overwhelmingly positive article. I basically said that the Flyers were going to finish, you know, top two in the division, and they're going to make the second round of the playoffs, and I was very positive going into the season. And Unfortunately, almost none of that has come to fruition. I mean, it's, we've basically been force-fed the same mediocre hockey that we've had in the past few seasons. And so it's, it's, it's basically made it, in my mind, difficult to stay positive. Because, I, look, I want to be positive about things, and I, I want to have positive tweets. But the problem is that then when I sit down and I actually watch this team play hockey... I'm bored, I'm angry, I'm, you know, you're spending your... You're doing a chore almost. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Time time is valuable, right? We work all day long. Then when it comes to the nighttime, we want to do things that we enjoy because we know the next morning we got to get up and work. So if I'm choosing to spend two and a half, three hours watching a, a sporting event at night, I don't want to watch something that quite honestly bores me and and is a mediocre product. And so that's kind of what we're seeing. And that's to me, that's why it's hard to be positive because, you know, we've got a lot of people that preach patience and blah, blah, blah. And here's the thing. We've been very patient. It's been like four or five years for this team's quote-unquote rebuild. Meanwhile, you've got teams like the Buffalo Sabres who have been – you know, their rebuild started a lot later than the Flyers, and they've been much worse than the Flyers the past few years. And the Sabres are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference this season. Like, there are ways to quickly turn around your team. And 
they really haven't done it here. I mean, the goalie situation is is a great example because we're stuck right now with zero healthy average NHL goalies because Ron Hextall decided to go into the season with Brian Elliott and Michael Neuberg, who we all knew were going to be injured when he could have signed a guy like Yaroslav Halak, who's excelling in Boston, or tried to find somebody that he could sign. So, you know, I wish the team was giving us more reasons to be positive, and there are some things to be positive about, but but in the end, it's there hasn't been a whole lot of, of things to be positive about about this team. Exactly. I wanted to say real quick, uh, we don't want to sit on our podcast or sit behind the Twitter account or sit behind our tweets and just criticize the Flyers and just say, oh, this is bad, this is bad. They are. We are watching the product, and they are giving us the reasons to tweet this stuff. We want to be as positive. We don't want to sit here and talk about how they have the worst penalty kill in the league. We want to be talking about how they have the best penalty kill in the league and how we're going to look to keep the streak going or keep the winning going or something like that. The last thing we want to be is negative. But unfortunately, the product that we are witnessing and the product that is not changing is negative. It is not a good product. Yeah, and I think what goes into this, too, is – for for whatever reason, um, if the Flyers fans, in my opinion, have always been the most loyal, the most optimistic fan base in this city, um, you know. And right now, I think the Flyers, as far as the fans see it, when you look at the other three teams in the city, obviously the Eagles are coming off of a Super Bowl. The Phillies are about to spend big in the offseason and completely rebuild their team in just a couple months span. And the Sixers, though they went through, you know, their process and losing and everything like that, they now have three of the, you know, three top 20 players on their team. However, they got those players is at this point somewhat irrelevant because they have them and they're trending in the right direction. So I think that fans see that and the Flyers are almost kind of forgotten about unless you're, you know, the hardcore Flyers fan that understands what they're trying to do, understands that there are prospects on the way, understands what they have been doing, how well they've been drafting, where this team was before Ron Hexall took over and started this this movement. Unless you're that hardcore fan, if you're just the casual fan that looks from afar and, you know, sees the scoreboard every night and, you know, reads the headlines, reads Twitter, you're not going to get invested in what the Flyers are doing right now, especially when you see every other team trending in the right direction. Not so much, obviously, the Eagles right now, but that's a whole separate issue. But you see these other teams that are building toward and on the right track of winning championships or have won championships, and you see the Flyers just every year you hear two to, they're two to three years away. They're two to three years away. And it's frustrating for fans. And it doesn't help that when you actually – Take time, like Dan was saying, when you get home after, you know, busting your ass all day at work and you're tired and all you want to do is just relax and crack a beer and watch a game and you see the dreck the Flyers are putting out there and the inconsistencies in their game and all the frustrations, it's hard to get positive. It's hard to sit down as a human and think positively and and, and go into every game with a blank slate because you know more or less what you're going to get during those three hours that you're sitting down to watch this team play. And the only guessing game is with the Flyers is, I mean, you know the PK is going to be bad. You know the goalies are going to be bad. The only like the only thing with the Flyers that you kind of don't know that you're going to get game in and game out is how many goals they're going to score. Because 
you see two games in a row at home where they scored one or in a two game span, they scored one goal between the Panthers game and the Devils game. And then they come in Saturday against the best team in the league and they put up five. So it, it, it's hard. It, it's just you don't know what you're going to get. And for the casual fan that isn't as well ingrained in what the Flyers are doing big picture, it's difficult for that person to think positively and get excited about what the Flyers are doing right now. And that's that's the situation the Flyers have put us in. That's not against the fans. And I saw on Twitter earlier, you know, somebody saying – um, people on Twitter are always bringing up how dead the Wells Fargo Center is and it's not a hostile place to play anymore, and they're absolutely right. But that's not the fans' fault. It's not the fans' fault that they're not excited for these games. It's the front office's fault for putting a subpar team out there. It's the coaching staff's fault for not making adjustments and not getting the most out of the players that they have. And it's on the players for coming out in a lot of these games, having no fire, having no heart, having no fight, no want to. And that directly affects how the fans feel and how they're going to watch the games in the arena. Yes. So, you know, I want to go into something that I, I tweeted about this morning. Cause I'm a, so I'm a flyer season ticket holder. I live in DC. So I, I don't get to go to most of the games, and I, I have to sell most of my tickets on StubHub. So obviously, you know, it would be uh, – ideally, I would be making most of the money that I spend on the tickets back on sales. So I just – this morning, I just thought to myself that I thought that the ticket prices were a lot lower so far this year than in the past few years. So I went back and I looked. And these are the average ticket price that I was able to sell my tickets at through the first 15 games of the season. Uh, in 2016-17, my tickets cost 35 bucks, and I was selling them for $32. So it was a $3 loss. Last year, my tickets went up to $37. There was a $2 increase, and I was selling them for $35. So it was a $2, $2 basically bath I was taking on the tickets. That's fine. This year... The tickets went up to 38 bucks, and so far, through 15 games, they're going for $27 a ticket, which means that you know I'm losing over $10 per ticket, which makes a big difference when I'm selling most of my tickets. And it's you know, you know, going to make it harder and harder for me to justify being able to keep those season tickets. And I had a good conversation with my season ticket rep, uh, David Tierno. He's a really good guy. He's always responsive to my concerns. But ultimately, you know, you can't change the prices. It is what it is. And it, it's the prices are dictated by how much people are willing to go uh, spend to, to see the Flyers in person. And one of the big issues for me has also been that, look, back in the day, you'd go to, the, to games and it would be loud. It would be loud throughout. It would be loud at the beginning of the game. And it's, it's like a freaking morgue. When you go to Flyers games now, it's just it's so quiet in that arena. It's a corporate office. Yeah, it's 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 a corporate office. It's a morgue. It's a mausoleum. It's depressing going to games there because I feel bad that the fans aren't cheering on the team, but the team isn't really giving the fans much to cheer on. I mean, this team is four six and one at home. They've been outscored four uh, forty one to thirty on home ice. They Dave Haxtell basically uses the fans as an excuse sometimes for for why the team isn't playing you know poorly it's 
not really an excuse, but he mentions the, the fans too often for my liking mm-hmm. in terms of home games. And so, you know, it, and, and yes, some of the fact that a lot of fans see on Twitter, the negativity probably leads to that, but it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy because if this team was five games above 500 right now, uh, I think things would be a lot different. And if they would perform better at home. So, you know, it's it's just difficult to justify spending tickets to go see the Flyers right now, and it's ultimately it's up to the players in the front office to do something that gets the fans back and interested in this team. Yep. Um. So now that I mean, one of, one of the bigger issues, or probably the biggest issue on the Flyers right now, and. Dan, by the way, you were you were absolutely fire on Twitter all day. Um, I can tell that you, whether on your lunch break or whatever, dove into some hardcore research um, when it comes to penalty kill numbers historically in the NHL. It's no secret the Flyers have a garbage penalty kill. In fact, it's probably worse than garbage. I don't even know if there's a word for what the Flyers' penalty kill actually is, but it's dead last in the league. It's a laugh. It's, um, a laugh. it's not a word. It's a laugh. <laughs> that's right you said before that every time you hear about the flyers penalty kill you just laugh and it's hard not it, to it, it, it's a shame it's a shame because this used to be the bread and butter i don't want to say the bread and butter of the franchise but this I, I i think charlie uh quoted my tweet today and and said he agreed but when the flyers were fun you could draw you could make connections to the penalty kill when you had those mike richards out there even michael hanzus he couldn't skate for for anything, but when he was on the ice for a penalty kill situation, you got it out of him, almost like that Lawton type. The Lawton can actually move his feet, but it's just the 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 passion that goes into a penalty kill is what the fans in Philly almost respect. They would cheer more for a solid penalty kill than a goal, and that's just how that's how the fashion of this team used to be, and it's just non-existent. And in your own building, you can't even win or score goals in your own building. It's a whole systematic problem. But the penalty kill is 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 historically bad and dan has all the numbers on that and can go into that i mean i just i we've been harping on the penalty kill all season long and it's it's been atrocious and you listen this all started because you look back at ian Perrier and he took over the penalty kill in 2014 and here's the penalty kill ranks in the in the ian Perrier era uh 27 20th 21st Last year was 29th. At the end of the year, I think Charlie O'Connor or someone asked Hextall, you know, like, how can you, you know, you guys going to do anything about this? What, what is going on? And Hextall, you know, is like, well, I, we've seen signs that the penalty kills are improving. They didn't fire Le Perrier. So despite the fact they were 29th in the season, in the, in the uh, league last year, they, they brought Le Perrier back. And somehow they've found a way to be worse because the Flyers' penalty killing percentage right now is 68 like 68.5% or something like that. I mean, that's, to put that into perspective, I had to go back to <laughs> 1990 to find a team that, that finished a season with a penalty kill at less than 73%. I'm talking 73%. That was 1990 that an NHL team finished the season at less than 73%. Now, look, to be fair, we are only a quarter of the way through the season, so you would expect that the Flyers' penalty kill will improve a little bit. But they're six, 68% right now. I mean, that's obviously that's dead last in the league. That 
the Ottawa Senators had that video a couple weeks ago where their players were, uh, you know, caught on tape in their Uber complaining about the, how horrible their penalty kill coach is and how terrible their penalty kill is. And in the tape, they're like, one, you know, one of the guys looked it up on their phone and he's like, yeah, the Flyers are the only team worse than us <laughs> on the penalty kill. And we're still worse than them. I mean, how? 68%? I don't even understand how that's right. possible. When the Senators look at us like, oh, we're doing better than them, that is not that is not where you want to be mentioned with yeah, a friend. Most teams, most that is teams not where are, you want to be mentioned. Most teams are around 85 to 88% on the penalty kill. And power plays have been getting better the last few years, so the average rates are going down a little bit. But And and the, and Ron Hextall you know, will come out and say that, well, visually, it, it, it looks like it's improving. I, I, I just... This is, again, is when it comes down to, like, getting fed a bag of shit by, by the GM. Does he really believe – does does Ron Hextall, a goalie – he sees the ice as a goalie, too. You would think, you know, they, they kind of see the ice more differently than everybody. And I, I, I would think that is in a good way. You kind of can see the play develop, see where the people are out of position. Mm-hmm. And does, does he really truly believe that? I think that's the problem. And people are watching him sit back and say this and accept this, and then the next night they'll go out and they'll blow it. I think a that's lot of it – I think a lot of it you have to take with – I mean, when he says something about the penalty kill in a positive light, I think a lot of it you have to take with a grain of salt because – I think in his position, he doesn't want to come out and rip an entire unit of the team. But at the same time, and I understand, there's you know fans really, you know when 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 the players and the coaches and the front office guys in the city, when they speak, you know fans take it with a lot of credence because I guess you're really supposed to if they're talking about. The team that you follow, the team that you pay money for, you should believe what they're saying. But there's no way that Ron Hexall could watch what his penalty kill does and believe that it's improving at all. Three power play goals again on Saturday from Tampa Bay. and I mean, you can't honestly believe. You cannot believe that that whatever they're doing is, is working or improving. The fact that Ian LaPerriere still has a job, and I, you always get the people that say, like, oh, I don't want to root for somebody to get fired. Look, I don't care. Ian LaPerriere's made enough damn money in his career, both coaching and playing. He'll be all right. You have to, at some point, if a guy is, if, if an employee isn't doing his job and it's affecting everybody around him, that person has to be removed. And it's honestly, it's malpractice that Ian LaPerriere is still allowed to coach the penalty kill on this team because it could not be working any less. And Dan's numbers just prove that. Yeah, I, you know, again, I don't like we're talking about, you know, it's, it's so hard not to be negative about this team. I mean, we're going to get to them. We promise we're going to get to some things that are, are cause for a little bit of positivity but um you know mark you touched on something with the with another thing with this team and with the inconsistency is they'll they'll lose a game two nothing and then they'll lose a game six five uh you know and we've been talking for years about how how terrible they are in the first period i think they're like since dave haxtell took over they're like 28th in the nhl first period goal differential and that just never seems to change and it's the same thing you go down against tampa five to one and then you've got to mount this insane rally and one of those things that that insane rally shows is that this team is capable of of borderline greatness i mean how many teams in the league are capable of scoring four goals in 10 minutes against you know one of the best teams in the league well the flyers are but that's what makes it so frustrating 
we know that this team has Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier and Jake Voracek and Nolan Patrick and Travis Konechny and James Van Riemsdyk and Shane Gostisbehere. We know that they can put, you know, put up big performances like that in, in, in 10 minute spurts, but they haven't been able to put together performances like that in 60 minute spurts, which is what we need to see from this team. Yeah. Um, Look, I don't know what you do at this point. I, I really don't. I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna continue going on this path, if they're gonna continue status quo as they know it, then this is just something we're gonna have to ride out. And look, Dan, you said it. I mean, I know you don't. We don't want to make this all negative, but especially in this, you know, especially this week when we're supposed to be reflecting on things that we're thankful for, things we're happy about, but it's so hard. It honestly is. And, you know, the fans know it. We know it. Hell, I'm sure even the team knows it. It's so hard to look at this team and and not think anything but negativity when when you see what, what they're putting out there. And I guess now's, now's the best time of any to just kind of shift this. Let's Let's get a little positive. I mean, when you look at this team, and I, other than the mascot, which is one of the most positive things about the team, I mean, obviously the young talent on the team is ridiculous. I mean, Lindblom, Konechny, Patrick, and all the guys coming up through the ranks, that, that's something that you can be, as a Flyers fan, thankful for. You can be happy for that because those guys are going to make a difference. They're still, you know, the guys that are up here now, they're still young in their careers. They're still trying to find their way in this league. The guys that are on their way, you know, they're, they're, there's going to be growing pains there too. But the talent is there. The, um, you know, the potential is there to make this thing great. Not made probably you know, likely not this season, but next season, there's going to be even more young talent up here. There's going to be money to play with for Ron Hextall. There's going to be free agents out there that he can sign because they finally will have cap flexibility. And that's something right there to be happy about, to be positive about, to be thankful for. You're probably not going to see the fruit of any of that this season, but it's, it's something, it's something small you could take with you that it, it's not going to be this bad forever. And that's right now, that's mostly what we have to go on when we're watching this team. I completely agree. I think uh, as bad as it may seem now, as you know, the world may seem like it's ending, the penalty kill is going to get better, the scoring, I think people need to relax all in all, just relax. The positives are there. The positives are in place. Konechny will be getting a new deal. Provorov will be getting a deal. The, the Simmons situation is still lingering. We'll see what they do about that. But things should and will get better. You're going to have more talent up here next year. The season is still young. I, I mean, as bad as it has been, there is still games for, you know, you're going to learn your lesson. You're going to have to go out there. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to improve. The younger players are getting better. Lindblom looks great. Uh, even not young players, but even players like Fallen looking great. Uh, attacking at the blue line, looking a lot better than they were at the beginning of the season. If these are the little baby steps that are needed for the rest of the season, I think Flyers fans can and will tough it out. I think they'll eventually make a push for it. I think everybody will kind of get going a little bit more. If it doesn't happen, then something drastic needs to change, but we're going to remain positive and, and look forward to hopefully the Flyers getting back on their feet and getting things moving. Yeah, I mean, look, the Flyers fans are never going to abandon ship. They'll always stick around. They're always going to go to the games. Um, they're always going to be there. They're always 
going to make their voices heard. And that's the great thing about being fans of any team in Philadelphia is that you know that the fans will always be there. Even when, you know, even when things look their bleakest, the fans will be there. The fans will always care. The fans will always, you know, stick around for the brighter days because we've all been doing that our entire lives. And when it's going good, it's honestly the best feeling in the world. And, and I was thinking about it today because it's Monday. I'm at work, and I'm just kind of like moping around, you know, miserable. The Eagles got crushed yesterday. The Flyers lost Saturday. And I, like, honestly sat there, and I thought to myself, what does it say about me as a person that I am so emotionally invested into something that I have absolutely nothing to do with that it affects my day-to-day life as much as sports do? And that's not just me. That's 95% of fans of the teams in this city. We live and we die with it. And when something affects you, your day-to-day life that you don't have anything to do with, people have their rituals. I'll wear this, you know, people say I wear the same jersey all the time. I wear the same jersey, I wear the same underwear to every game. You know, we, we eat the same things on game day. And none of that matters, but in our hearts, in our minds, it does. And because of that, we're never going to abandon any of these teams, but especially the Flyers. The Flyers haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1975, and they still have the one of the best fan bases in the NHL. And that's a testament to the people that watch these teams. So we're never going to go anywhere. And now the things are, you know, things are bleak right now. Things don't look good right now. And we all know that. But we are smart enough to know that there is light at the end of this tunnel, and we're getting to that light. It's hard to, you know, at times when you go through these crushing losses, like the game against um, the game against the Devils, it's hard to picture that sometimes. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and we're getting there. We're not as far as a lot of people may think. We're not as far as even sometimes I think we are. We're getting there, and... When we get there, when we get to that light at the end of the tunnel, it will be the best feeling in the world because that's just how it goes. We are affected that much by it. We love it that much. And when it's going good, it is the best feeling you can imagine. Has, uh, I have a quick question about you know where this season has gone. Has this 20 games – I mean, I had a crazy prediction before the season that – Everything was going to be intact. Not everything was going to be intact. You know, goalies would you would obviously be getting a uh, more average NHL type of goalie production. But I had the Flyers being, you know, making the playoffs comfortably and possibly getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that was if the goal, you know, everything kind of had to fit into place. That was like the dream run would be this year. But uh, my expectations have obviously altered a little bit. Uh, I don't think I think playoffs are going to be tough. But, you know, the positives are there. They can do it if they want. I think they're their worst enemy. I, I truly believe that. Because, like you said, they go in a game, it'll be 2-1. Next game, it'll be 5-5. They're their own worst enemy. If they decide to score that night, something might not go their way. They're their own worst enemy, and I truly believe that. And if they can kind of get a hold on things, the simple things, the penalty kill, the power play, uh, you know, the little the little battles in the corner for the puck, the little extra foot and a half that you might have to fight for, ice to, uh, for space, those things matter, and I and they need to improve for this team to do better. And I think they can do that. Uh, it just needs to be more consistent. That's for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's we've been we've been screaming about the inconsistencies of this team for years. And I, I said 
last week. I think it was. I don't know, last week or the week before. And I think Dan thought I was insane when I said it. But we were talking about getting Joel Quinville in here. And I said, there's enough talent on this team that if you had the right coach pushing the right buttons, you could think it's not out of the realm of possibilities to think that this team could go on a run. And it's not guaranteed. They wouldn't be in the conversation for most of the year. But you could see that there's enough talent here that this team could go on a run late in the season, in the playoffs, and make the Eastern Conference Finals. And Dan said, how do you expect that when you – or how could you say that when you see the goalie situation? He's absolutely right. I I was thinking today, I think the goalie situation right now for the Flyers is as bad as I can remember. Um, I'm only 26. So my memories of sports really start in, like, the year 2000. So within the last 18 years, you know, I think this is as bad as the Flyers goalie situation has ever been. You know, the constant injuries, the inconsistencies, and it's – no, you're right. I mean, with even even with the right coach, even with all the talent they have up front, the goalies are not enough to go on a run. And, you know, but – Possibly. We've seen Brian Elliott get hot. We've seen him do good things. So, yeah, it would have to be a perfect storm. But as the team is currently constructed, they're not. I, I, don't, I haven't. I've been saying for weeks that they're not making the playoffs. I don't see a playoff team in front of me. You don't have the numbers they do on special teams and make the playoffs. And you certainly don't make deep runs in the playoffs with those numbers because those are exactly in the playoffs and yep, special teams is a is like one of the main indicators of if your team is successful enough to move on to the playoffs if you are not as if i don't know i'd have to look at historically teams that get in and their special teams numbers but i would more than likely bet my life that if you have good special teams average maybe a little higher you're in the playoffs comfortably yeah because that gets it done mm-hmm. and that's such a big part of this game as a whole that the Flyers just don't have. And, you know, we've been racking our brains since the beginning of the season, since last season, because the penalty kill has been bad last season too. The power play wasn't all that great either. We've been racking our brains trying to figure out how this gets fixed, and we don't have the answers. Apparently the Flyers don't either. But until they, until that's get that gets righted, until those numbers improve, this team just is what it is. They are where they are going to be. They're – on the outside looking in as far as the playoffs are concerned. And, you know, every time somebody mentioned the Flyers in the playoffs, I think Jim Morris Sr. when he was coaching the Colts and his playoff rant, you know, I just hope we can win a game at this point. Every game that they play, I'm just saying I just want them to win. That's that's where I'm at with the Flyers. A win is a small victory for me in an otherwise, you know, depressing outlook that I have for the team this season. One of the positives, well, first of all, Sam Karchetti with the Inquirer, he always comes out with this stat around Thanksgiving that since the NHL introduced the salary cap in 2005, about 78% of the teams that were in playoff spots on Thanksgiving remained there when the regular season ended. Last year, the Flyers were not in a playoff spot uh, on Thanksgiving, and they became one of the 22% of teams that were not in playoff spots that that didn't. They're probably going to have to do it again this year because – it does not look like that come Thanksgiving they're going to be in a playoff spot, so that's going to be a challenge that they have to overcome. You know, look, on the special teams, they're going to improve, right? I mean, the Flyers are 24th in power play percent in the league. That's going to improve. Their power play is too good to be that bad. So the power play is going to improve. The penalty kill, as I mentioned, it's 68%. The 
the good news is, I <laughs> can't mean, get any it's worse. Pretty in- yeah, pretty, it, yeah it's, seriously. It's pretty inconceivable that this penalty hook could get worse. So, so the the penalty kill and the power play should both improve. The problem, as Mark said, as I pointed out to him before, is goaltending because mm-hmm. Brian Elliott was playing very well before he got injured this most recent time. And that was one of the biggest causes for optimism for me, was that Brian Elliott was playing well. Because aside from him, and he's injured now, he's out two weeks with the presumed groin injury that he sustained uh, last week. He's going to be out for a couple weeks, and then who knows what it'll be like when he comes back. Michael Neuberth is like MIA. No one knows where he is. He's injured. Cal Pickard stinks. I'm sorry, but Cal Pickard is just not a good the, NHL. The veteran player. of the squad. He's the current. Yeah. Uh, he's right. the current veteran leading the leading the goalie for the Flyers. It's just an automatic. Exactly. Cal Pickard's not very good. And then you've got Alex Lyon, who look. All <laughs> due respect. Maybe Alex Lyon is gonna. Well, no, let me let me finish. All due respect. Oh, Becky is not gonna be happy with you. Maybe, yeah, maybe Alex Lyon is going to, you know, come in and be a serviceable NHL goalie. Here's what I've challenged people to do on Twitter before, and no one's been able to do it, is find a successful starting NHL goalie who had two consecutive AHL seasons with an under 915 save percentage. Because mm-hmm. that's what Alex Lyon did. He had two decidedly mediocre AHL seasons. And if you look at it, all of the guys who are good starting goalies in the NHL, I think there's like one exception out there. I forget who it is. But almost all these guys, save percentages were well upwards of 915 when they were in the AHL. So, And everything I've seen from Alex Lyon, I, just, I don't think he's going to be a very good NHL goalie. So the reality is, is that the main thing that Ron Hextall needs to do right now is somehow he needs to get a goaltender that the Flyers can rely on for the rest of the season. Because if they're going to be trotting out their Cal Pickard and, you know, Brian Elliott and, and Neuberth continue to have these injury problems, this team ain't making the playoffs with Cal Pickard as their starting goaltender. I'm telling you that right now. Because the NHL is too competitive in a game-in, game-out basis to have someone like that as the guy that you're relying on. So that's that is the main thing that Ron Hextall needs to do because the rest of this team I'm not all that concerned about. The the special teams will improve. The penalty kill is still going to be dreadful, but the penalty kill was dreadful last year and they still made the playoffs. So, you know, I I think that goaltending is the main thing they need to improve upon because as we've talked about, there are reasons to be optimistic. You've got Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom and Travis Konechny and Travis Sanheim all taking big steps forward this season. Ivan Provorov and Shane Gossespierre have got to improve. I mean, Provorov has been been dreadful. Uh, he's going to have to improve. So, you know, I I think the goaltending is really the main thing that Ron Hextall needs to do something about, and he's got to do something about it soon. Well, the goaltending, if he improves that, that just by nature will improve the penalty kill as well. I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand. But, I, you know, you bring up Alex Lyon, and – Every time there's an injury to a goalie, Alex Lyon gets brought back up from the Phantoms, and the Alex Lyon loyalists just lose their minds over this guy. And I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, I, you know, to me, there's reasons why people are in the positions that they're in. The reason, I mean, the Flyers thought so little of Alex Lyon coming into the season that they went out and signed Cal Pickard to begin with and sent Alex Lyon to the Phantoms. You know, if Alex Lyon was this world beater, if he was this, 
you know, NHL caliber goalie that a lot of people seem to think he is, he would have never went down. He would have never started the season with the Phantoms to begin with. They would have never brought in garbage trash Cal Pickard to be on the NHL roster if they thought Alex Lyon was a serviceable NHL goalie. And the fact that he's been up here several times and hasn't started tells you all you need to know about Alex Lyon. He is what he is. He is an AHL goalie. I mean, yeah, on a bad team in the NHL, look, I mean, he probably should have been up here because Cal Pickard is terrible. So, (laughs) I mean, he probably should have started the season up here, and who knows how he would have played if he ever started started to begin with. But this perception that Alex Lyon is like the answer to the Flyers' goalie problems this year is absurd to me, and I don't understand it at all. The Alex Lyon people really piss me off. What does that say about the the uh, the franchise's view on Stolarz, though? I mean, I know he's I know he's coming back from an injury. He hasn't really played an NHL game from 2016, but I just feel like the organization has no problem just Alex Lyon, Alex Lyon, Alex Lyon. You know, I feel like there's not even a chance for it. And I'm not saying Stolarz deserves it or whatever. I know he's rehabbing from his injury, but it just they just seem to skip over him and go right to Alex Lyon, and, and some fans seem to think that. Alex Lyon's the answer, and like you said, I'm not. There's really no evidence to support that. And uh, if you watch his game and his positioning, that is enough to tell me that he is not an NHL goalie right now. I, mean, I don't think that the team. I don't think that the team thinks that either Alex Lyon or Anthony Stolarz are NHL goalies. Though I, the only reason they keep bringing up Alex Lyon is because he's played a lot more than Anthony Stolarz has over the last number of seasons. And right. You know, Carter Hart is obviously the guy that, that, that they are hoping is going to step up, but he is having his struggles at the AHL level. I mean, so far, Carter Hart's played in 10 games. He's got a, a 3.52 goals against average and an 882 save percentage. Hmm. Now, it's not uncommon for 20-year-olds to come into the AHL and really struggle, so I'm, I'm not all that concerned about Carter Hart. Uh, and his dismal performance so far. But, um, but, yeah, I think the reason Alex Lyon keeps coming up instead of Stolarz is just because he's he's been healthy and he's played a lot more hockey the last few seasons. But neither of them have played a single, you know, minute of hockey for the Flyers this season, I don't think. But uh, it's funny because I think Lyon and Stolarz are your only goalies that are on roster and signed for next season. Wonderful. Yeah, that's, I mean, Carter Hart, but yeah. That's, well, yeah, yeah, Carter Hart too, but uh, for like NHL quality goalies, for somebody that we want as a backup, because realistically, Ron Hextall is going to do whatever he can in his power to not call Carter Hart up. And that kind of, I think that's being seen more and more now. And I think with Carter Hart slowly developing, fans are a little bit more okay with it now. Like seeing that, okay, you know what? This guy was great in juniors, but you know, there is that huge transition. He is struggling, so let me back off of Carter Hart for a little bit. I think people have pumped their brakes a little bit with that. For you know what I mean. I think that the if you'd asked Ron Hextall going into this season what his ideal scenario for the Flyers goaltending situation going into next season, so going into the 2019-20 season, I would guess that Ron Hextall would have said that he would have hoped that Brian Elliott would have played well enough this season to. Uh, justify a one or two year extension and that Carter Hart would be the Flyers backup goaltender next season something like that where an Elliot Hart situation but the problem is that that Elliot has been injured so much that that has just thrown everything 
uh, off kilter. I mean, I still think there's a chance that Carter Hart is with the Flyers next season. We'll see. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the whole the whole goaltending situation with this franchise is just so messed up, and it's because Ron Hextall does not want to commit a lot of money to a older veteran goaltender knowing that he's hopefully has Carter Hart on the way. So it is a bad situation for him to be in because, you know, the guys that are free agents at the end of the season, like uh, Sergei Bobrovsky and Semyon Varlamov, like those guys are all going to command multi-year big money deals. And the Flyers don't really want to commit that kind of money to a goaltender when they've got young guys like Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom and Kirill Ustamenko potentially on the way. So it is somewhat of a bad situation for the Flyers to be in, but there were ways for Ron Hexall to improve the goaltending this season than what it's been. Um, I saw on Twitter today that you got a uh, bit of an update from Alex Appleyard of The Athletic we've had on the show on a goalie that I think you know we kind of forget about because he's not with the Phantoms. He's kind of, you know, he's out in Europe doing his thing it's Felix Sandstrom um Dan you're the one to ask this because I think um I know you know I love Felix about Sandstrom. him yeah so uh, just as far as obviously not this season but as it looks next year what's his eligibility as far as playing here in the states and I mean like I said we kind of forget about him I think because he's not really in the forefront you know, everyone's fixated on Carter Hart, but, you know, Felix Sandstrom is a very talented goaltender, and, you know, the Flyers are obviously pretty high on him. So where does he stand next se- going into next season as far as his eligibility here, and what do you see in him, like his role with the franchise as a whole? So, I mean, I love Felix Sandstrom, and I've talked about him a lot, and one of the reasons I, I – you know, really like him is because whenever I've seen him at the Flyers 3v3 development tourney over the summer, he's just been fantastic. He just looks great. And I understand there's a difference between playing in that tournament uh, and playing, you know, in uh, big pond hockey. But he was also the top, top goalie in the World Junior Championships a couple of years ago. Uh, and he's he's been respected as a top goalie prospect. He had injury issues last year. This year he was really supposed to, he's 21 years old this year, and he's kind of supposed to take a step forward in Sweden and then come over to play with the Flyers or the Phantoms next season. I still think that next season he will be overseas here in North America, either with the Phantoms or the Flyers. But his numbers have just not really been all that great in the Swedish league this year. He's only got an 895 save percentage. And so I reached out to Alex Appleyard and Johan Gartner, who uh, I, I view as kind of like the two overseas experts, and asked, hey, are his, is his play been as bad as his numbers illustrate? And Alex came back and he said, no, he had six good games and simply two very bad games, one of which his defense hung him out to dry. He looks fine. So I was happy to see that. I still have high hopes for Felix Sandstrom. He's oh, he's ready for the Flyers. He's a year older. Yeah, he's a year, exactly. He's a year older. <laughs> Uh, than uh, Carter Hart, and I think next season he'll be with the Phantoms, or if he impresses enough, maybe he can be with the Flyers. But we can't count on him. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, you know, it's important to kind of give updates on guys like him that people don't really hear much talk about because I think he definitely plays a factor into this whole, you know, situation. The Flyers have done a good, a good job, and this is a credit to Ron Hexall, another positive, another thing to be thankful for, people. Flyers have done a good job of really 
stocking the prospect pool from a goalie perspective because you know we know the struggles they've had historically with goalies so you know you, i guess their their thought process is, is you draft enough of them one of them's got to stick one of them's got to you know be a viable option for you at some point in their career so you know you can't um i guess you can't argue with it if it works it works and you know felix antrim's obviously i've never seen him play a game because i don't you know I don't even know how to watch games from Sweden, but everything I hear from you and everything I read says that, you know, the, he's good. And it's just a matter of getting him over here, getting him worked into the organization, getting him used to playing in, you know, on the smaller ice surface. And, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll take it from there. But he's definitely he's he's out there. He's a guy that Flyers fans should know about because I think he factors in. You know, if he factored, he has plays a pretty big role in where this team is going to go in the years to come. But we have, um, you know, as Dan usually does when we when we put out these podcasts, when we go when we announce that we're recording it, he put out the tweet to uh, get the fans questions in, see what they're thinking. And, um, you know, we try to answer them to the best of our abilities. So we'll pull those up here. Dan, I'll let you uh, you're you know, you're the mastermind and all that. Whichever one uh, you want to start with, you want to just go in order, whatever, and we'll get these uh, we'll get these kind of banged out for the people. Yeah, I think there's five of them here, and uh, the first one, I mean, we kind of touched on a little bit. Scott E uh, at Scott underscore T uh, asked, "When does Alex Lyon get the nod over Calvin Pickard?" And you know, I actually Alex Lyon might be better than Calvin Pickard, so he may get the nod over them. But I think the general consensus between all three of us is that neither of these goaltenders are are really going to be able to get the job done in terms of getting the Flyers to the playoffs. I mean, is that kind of do we agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, Patrick at Junk Drawer Pat tremendous Twitter handle. Um, yeah, and we've, we've talked about this in the past, this question. He says, what is this team? They score, and I touched on this even earlier, they score a total of one goal against New Jersey and Florida, but five in a losing effort to Tampa. Other than inconsistent, how would you describe this team to someone who hasn't seen them play? Look, he says other than consistent, but I think that is exactly what this team is. And you could even throw in underachieving because I think – like I've said already, I think there's enough talent on this team that they shouldn't be in the position that they are. So if I were, you know, if, I, if, if an alien just dropped down from Mars and the only sport they knew about was hockey, they knew about the NHL, but they'd never seen it. And they asked me about the Philadelphia Flyers, how I would describe them. I would just say they're an inconsistent, underachieving team that is handcuffed by poor coaching and, you know, a bit of a, a blind loyalty from the front office to said coaching staff. So I think that's, that's how I would describe the Flyers. Anyway, I don't know. Um, and do you have yeah, anything? Yeah. Consistently inconsistent. Every, 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 almost all facets of the game. Uh, one game they'll win a battle, and the next game they'll go on and lose that battle. The same one that they've proved that they can win. They prove that they can show us flashes of these. Uh, this season is kind of like the Michael Neuberth like career. Like, they show you these flashes for a couple games, the road trip, the three, four games, even if you're playing bad teams or worse, subpar teams, whatever the case may be, you get these flashes that make you say, you know what, they can't be this bad. They showed, they literally just showed me this. They showed me that they can do that. 
they showed me that they can kill that penalty properly. They showed me that they can score. The positives are there. They just need to stay consistent with the little things, and they they are just too inconsistent with that right now. Yeah, I mean, two words that really come to mind with this team, aside from the obvious one and inconsistent, are uh, frustrating and enigmatic because they're – I can't figure this team out. They're very mysterious to me. I don't understand – I don't understand how they can have this much talent and be this inconsistent. And so I just find it, I find it maddening and frustrating and enigmatic. So, you know, that's how I would kind of describe this team. And it's, you're right. It's just how we talked about, you know, you get shut out one, nothing, then you lose six to five. It's like, what? I, mean, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I understand they hit five posts against the devils and they probably, you know, deserve to win that game. But, but still, we've been seeing the same thing for years. They have the talent, but does this team have an identity? And what I mean by that is, yes, you have Claude Drew. I think he has, what, 24 points right Correct. now in 20 games? You, The talent is there. I think Jake Voracek's averaging about a point a game almost, or he's close to it. Uh, Simmons, I think, is like third or fourth in points. It's there. But as an identity, there's nothing like – I think as we touched earlier, there's nothing that draws you into this team. There's no, like, emotional connection. There's no – you don't have that. You don't see that with this group. Yes, you might have individual leaders within the locker room, but as a whole, I think this team lacks a certain identity, and I think that goes with management, uh, not making moves, allowing certain things to just go on without any repercussions or anything like that. And I think this whole franchise, I think the whole franchise problem is an identity problem. Like, what what do they really stand for? The product? Do they care about the product they're giving the fans that are paying their hard-earned money to go watch and support it? You know, I, I don't... It's just... We'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of room for improvement, though. So, a lot of games left, and that's all you can hope for at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um, another question was yeah. uh, Sean Jones, uh, at Sean Jones, and his name is spelled S-H-J-O-N underscore Jones. You guys see any chance of a trade for William Nylander, possibly Sandheim, since we have Phil Myers in the pipeline? So I've touched on this before. You know, I think one of the strengths of this organization is their young forwards, and I think that one of the things that's gonna that's really gonna separate this team from other teams down the road is how good our defense is, and I think that Provorov, Ghost, Sandheim, and Myers are all kind of part of that equation. So I would not be in favor of trading, making a trade for William Nylander because it's going to cost Sandheim uh, and something or Phil Myers and something. And I just don't think that it's it's worth the return on that. So I, I probably wouldn't. But look, if the team keeps struggling and you really want to mix things up and you can get Nylander for a fair price, maybe you consider it. But I just... I don't want to make a defenseman for forward trade with the way that this team is built. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been on this for about a month now, and you know when when you realize that currently it's November nineteenth, the deadline for William Nylander to sign this season is December first. You know I've always said that the closer we get to December first, and he doesn't have a deal, the more likely a move is, you know, is imminent from Toronto. I know Bob McKenzie, I think, put out a, a put a story out, I guess it was last week, naming some teams that, you know, could make a move for him. The Flyers weren't in there. And would I make the move for him? Yes. But, like I said, 
not right now because I think the price if 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 even if Toronto was willing to move him right now, the price is going to be too high because there's still enough time for them, I guess, where they think they could get a deal done with him. But if this is, you know, next week, if it's, you know, December, if it's November 30th and, you know, we're knocking, you know, a move, uh, there's no deal imminent and the Flyers are there, the Flyers have, you know, the assets to get a, a deal done for Nylander, I would do it. Um, You know, I think... The Flyers, you know, obviously, Toronto needs blue line help. The Flyers have blue line, you know, prospects. If it was Sanheim, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough pill to swallow. But, and I see people, say, you know, one of the things that they say against getting William Nylander is, you know, where you're going to put him. Well, look, when you get a player like William Nylander, when you add him to players like JBR, Giroux, you know, Voracek. Konechny, Lindblom, Patrick, when you plug a guy like that into the lineup, now you're just rolling three deep lines. So you make room for a guy like William Nylander. You don't, you know, it's not like we're talking about getting, you know, some average player and, oh, where are you going to put this guy? Well, no, William Nylander, he's a tremendous talent in this league. He's proven he could do it in this league. I don't know what you're going to be getting from a guy that's missed all this time, but you deal with that because he has all the abilities that you would want in a player. And I think, like I said, the closer we get to December 1st, the more the price goes down. And if the Flyers could wait it out, and it, look, I don't think Ron Hextall, the reason why the Flyers weren't in Bob McKenzie's piece was because the Flyers don't make moves like that. They're not interested in moving draft picks. They're not interested in moving prospects. So from that perspective, I don't expect it to happen. But if it's me, if I'm if I was in charge, I would make it happen. I would try to put Wayne Simmons in there so you open up that forward spot that people are so worried about, you know, where you're gonna put William Nylander. So I try to put Wayne Simmons in there because he's obviously on the last year of his deal. Let him be Toronto's problem and move from there. Build it around Wayne Simmons. If you have to put another you know, if you have to put a prospect and a pick in there, whatever. Whatever, but right now it's not going to happen. But I would do it if the price was right. Absolutely. Well, he can play center, so I've seen a lot of Maple Leafs fans talking about how he actually uh, looks, you know, like he could be a better NHL center than a winger. So, if you traded for Nylander, you could put him on the as a third line center potentially. Yeah, um, that's... but you know, and the, you know, it's again, it's a good problem to have. But then you're kind of blocking guys like, uh, you know, Frost and Brobia moving forward. But, you know, it's just the – I don't know. Anthony, what do you think about William Nylander? I See, that's tough. I think another depend, – a whole – the whole Simmons thing situation would be dependent on that. Um, I'm not really sure if there's literally drinking water in the background. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would do it. I, it would be a lot. And like you said, it would block – the potential young guys from coming in um it would be it would have to be worth it i don't know if it will be uh will it be it would have to be simmons you'd have to get him to sign i think he would toronto's his hometown i believe pretty sure uh sanheim and maybe a draft pick i don't i don't know what i don't know if you're if you're the maple leafs what do you what are you looking for and that's that's really what it comes down to i think it could be the veteran like simmons but him being able to re-sign is, is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you, as this trade deadline gets, or it's not this trade deadline, but is the, what, December 1st deadline for Nylander to either sign 
or uh, have to sit out the season grows closer, maybe the Leafs will be getting more desperate. And, you know, if we're talking about trading Wayne Simmons, who Toronto might want because they're trying to go for the cup this season, if you're looking at trying to move Simmons and, you know, I guess maybe you could move Phil, Phil Myers, Simmons and Myers potentially for Nylander. Maybe it's something that you discuss if you're sure that, you know, I, potentially. I just, again, I have hesitations about trading some of these young defensive Yeah, there's. I think there's so many but, concepts that go into that trade, though. Like Wayne Simmons would have to agree to an extension, and then you could say, listen, we're giving – we're giving him to you as a rental. You're going to have to sign him. So then that'll affect what they want, the, like the bring back of the trade. So I, I think the Flyers just need to stay put. I mean, as we said, the, the Nylander situation, they could get more desperate as the Flyers situation goes and playoffs come, trade deadline comes, and we aren't in a playoff spot. Trading Simmons becomes more of a desperation mode. Do you let him walk for nothing because you think you might make the playoffs? Yeah, he has value. When people when people sit there and say, "What are you going to get for him?" You're going to get something. He's a valuable NHL player. You can give me his core seat, as you know. You can give me all his numbers. It's five on five. You you will get something for Wayne Simmons. And when you give up Wayne Simmons, you're going to be have to you know you're going to have to give up somebody young. You're going to have to give up a draft pick. So it's going to have to reflect that. I think the Flyers will end up staying put with that if anything i think hextall would use the summer kind of see who's out there kind of sit down and say what the heck is going on with this franchise but as far as the whole Nylander situation i don't think it's gonna happen mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah i mean yeah. we could do a whole hour on wayne simmons and his situation and we've touched on it in the past and you know we're kind of pressed for time right now so maybe down the road we'll get into it but um last question that i saw yeah there were and... two two questions left okay <laughs> The the, um, the first one, and I don't, I just don't have an answer to this one. Um, yeah, yeah, was 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 from DB uh, at Met Match Penalty Twenty One asking in the last twenty years how often have NHL assistant coaches been fired in the middle of the season? Yeah, I'm sorry, DB. I don't have a, a specific answer to that. I mean, they, it certainly happens. Probably happens more often than head coaches because. Usually, when the head coach gets fired, often the assistants get fired. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If the, uh, the last question is a pretty good one. Anthony, is that you growling? Uh, yes, that's me. Okay. Yeah, you can't get to go, you know, feed your stomach or something. It's, but, um, good, uh, these dogs are over here. Yeah. No, it's good. It's, it's an awesome atmosphere. To the show. She's letting go of frustration. She's frustrated, too. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Veteran presence four uh, at the best uh, at the line best line um, at fourth line best line sorry yeah. and that's he's got a good account by the way he uh, tends to um, it's kind of like a sarcastic Dave Haxtell support account yeah definitely, definitely is, yeah if you're yeah. if you're feeling down or something you know about your flyers definitely look at his account for yeah some go flat. follow at fourth line best line so anyway he tweets out. Uh, what Thanksgiving dishes would represent each individual player and member of the coaching staff and why? I thought this was pretty interesting. Yeah. I like the response that Jared at JBPHI, um, cranberry sauce equals lappy because no one knows who keeps bringing it back every year. That- I like cranberry sauce. <laughs> yeah. I am not a fan. And I think Neither am I. Perfect. We don't even have it on the table at my. I like cranberry sauce. Oh, and, man. You know, I don't know. I, I, I do like it. I think it's pretty good. I, hey, we're uh, all flawed. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, my uh, um, I'm trying to 
I don't know. It's I have I don't one. really love any of the the food for Thanksgiving, quite honestly. Really? Um, I'm not. You know, I like the green bean souffle or the green bean casserole. casserole. I like. I like the. Uh, mm. I like sweet potato. Yes. yes. Got, play some got to put a little marshmallow on there first. Hold on. Yeah, yeah marshmallow with the sweet potatoes yes. is yeah. good. You know, we've done some deep fried turkey uh, in the past, which has been pretty good. But um, you know. I don't know. I don't. What? What? Did you guys have any thoughts on on which dishes represent what coaches and players? I did actually. Um, okay. The main, the obvious one is turkey, and I, I obviously compare that to Claude Giroux because turkey really? is you know the main course. It's it's what the rest of the dinner is built around, and that's kind of Claude Giroux. You know, it's his team. Everyone else is just around him, you know, I guess. that's the, Look, this was an interesting one. I didn't have a lot of time to think about it, but Claude Giroux is definitely the turkey of the team. I like I like Le Perrier being the cranberry sauce because I'm not big on that. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a great one. that's a great one. Maybe the sweet potatoes could be Travis Konechny because he's a sweet guy. Seems like a sweet guy. I don't know. I, maybe Nolan Patrick. With the, with the, I think that'd be Limlaw. I don't, I don't know. He seems Limlaw. like you know the, the 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 quiet guy that just sits in the corner and smiles. If yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of flash to that sweet sweet souffle, you got the marshmallows and you know I feel like the color of the the, the of the sweet potato souffle uh, is almost like the color of Nolan Patrick's rosy cheeks. You know, so that that might be that. I I, I don't know. The green bean casserole is I don't know. It's uh. A, and not many people talk about it. It's a little bit underrated. Underrated as as, food. Underrated food as, I, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, maybe it's like Scott Lawton is kind of like the green bean casserole of, uh, you know, he's really been contributing a lot this season. Is there, a, is there a food that's got a lot of holes in it? We could kind of put in net for, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't I think, know what that would be. Swiss cheese or something? There's I no think Swiss Michael, cheese Thanksgiving. I think Michael Neuberth would be the um, mashed potatoes. Because he's just mush. He's just a mush. You just plop him, plop him in front of the net and hope he gets he's in the, the way of something. He's plastic fork that breaks when you stab it into the turkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there you go. We've just built a Thanksgiving dinner around the Flyers. That's, that's a first for this, for this podcast, definitely. <laughs> Might be a dessert. first ever. That's, that's a tough one. I, don't, I, I couldn't even – I don't even know. Well, dessert, it takes... like a pumpkin pie? Oh, dude, pumpkin pie is the best. Pumpkin pie is um, the dinner as far as I'm no, concerned. Man, any shoe fly pie only, nothing else. No other pies. What? Shoe fly pie. What the hell is that? You don't know what shoe fly pie is? No, it sounds like a southern thing. Uh, I it might be. Um, I don't know. It's, I guess what is it? Say shoe fly pie is molasses pie. It's just, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. It's a little too sweet for me. Uh. They ate, they ate it for breakfast and stuff. Like they would have it like with your coffee. Pretty good. A little whipped cream on there. Breakfast pie. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Good enough. Who's who's the breakfast pie of the team? Who's the breakfast pie of the team? <laughs> so what <Wasn't> pie? <laughs> breakfast. The breakfast uh, pie. I don't know. It doesn't. All right. It is what it is. Well, actually, Dave Hacksaw could also be turkey because. Trip to fan so puts you boring. to sleep, and so does he when he talks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, right. to sleep. There it is. All right, we got it. We figured it out. All right. Um, I think we've bored the people enough with 
turkey talk. It is um, Thanksgiving week, so we wanted to give somewhat of a thankful, positive theme. It was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was difficult, but I think we muscled through it pretty good. So, uh, and this is actually Dan's favorite part of the whole show when he gets to. I'm going to let Anthony. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's time. going first here. But um, it's Dan's favorite part where we get to kind of plug our social media and things. So, as the guest, it's only right if you go first, and then Dan will go, and then I'll go, and then we all get to get out of here. So, go ahead. Give your shameless plugs of your social media accounts and stuff. Oh, man. So, uh, you know, just follow me, Anthony DeGrazio, on Twitter. Uh, I'll be, you know, interrupting Flyers games, giving you breakdowns, all that good stuff. And it was a pleasure coming on with you guys. Uh, we'll, def- we'll definitely do it more. This won't be the only time I come on here. But uh, it was a real pleasure hanging out with you guys and talking with uh, talking Flyers with you guys. And I can't wait to do it again. Absolutely. Good stuff, bud. Yeah, it was great to have uh Anthony, I'm the founder of PhileasFlyer.com. And uh, and so, yeah, so on Twitter, you can follow me at, at DSilver88. And then uh, over at Phileas Flyer, we got a lot of great content. I know Anthony's been working on an article. I know um, that uh, our host, Mark Gino, just put up an article about Gritty, which everyone should go, should go check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got a lot of good new content over at PhileasFlyer.com. Make sure you check it out. Yep. And, uh... You know, of course, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. Um, and like Dan said, you can check out my first article with Phileas Flyer at PhileasFlyer.com. Follow them on Twitter at PhileasFlyer. Um, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. For you, um, you Google users out there that have been hitting me up on Twitter wondering when it's going to be on there, it is. Look at it. Listen to it. Love it. Share it all that good stuff. And, um, of course, if you don't want to do any of those, you can just go on phileasflyer.com on the podcast page because the whole player is right there. You can listen to this episode and every one before it, so that's good stuff. But that wraps up this fun-filled episode of Getting Bullied. I hope everybody has a very safe, a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, For those of you going out for Thanksgiving Eve, be safe. Don't drive. Watch your alcohol consumption. Don't drink anything that I wouldn't drink, but that's not much. So until next week, again, happy Thanksgiving. Let's go Flyers.